0: Welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Uh, I just wanted to hop on here real quick before the uh, before I run the intro and get into the podcast episode and, and talk about it. Um, I reached out to Keith Cosentino um, to come onto the podcast, actually, and then he decided let's do a joint podcast. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Keith is my direct competition in Sacramento, uh, California. Uh, we've been competing in the same debt market for about 15 years now, um, going after the same dealers, the same, um, the same ranking space on Google, on Google AdWords, things like that. Um, we haven't had too many run-ins over the years, but there's been some, some good conversations we've had and some, and some run-ins we've had. And, um, today we talk about all that and the value I want you to get from this podcast is, um, don't let the competition prevent you from doing things you want to do in your life and business. Um, it's easy for us to use competition as an escape, as a reason not to do something. Um, I had the best reason for that ever. Uh, I was, as I was growing uh, the Dent Pro business and the Dent Pro name in the Sacramento market, um, Keith was doing the same thing. And I was competing against the guy who was teaching everybody else, the guy who was um, helping launch the price guide through Paul Corden, um, helping run the advanced skills seminar and things like that. So, um, I could have, I could have used that excuse to, to say that, oh, well he's going to, you know, he's the premier company in Sacramento. He's going to have all the business. He's going to have all the good customers. He's going to have all the good dealers. Or I could have taken that as a challenge to step up and be the best version of myself that I could possibly be. And I hope it chose the latter. And I hope that, um, that as me that me doing that actually propelled uh keith and his business forward knowing that there that there was a competitor doing everything he could to um compete for that business as well um and so we just want to get on and and show that um It's good to know your competition. It's good to have a healthy relationship with your competition, Um, understanding that it is business, but understanding that there's a respect there. If you're both doing things to uh, as as best of quality as you can and running business um, above board as as most above board as possible and charging the right prices and and providing the customer service that we all want to see in this industry, um, that it's okay to have that healthy respect for them, even if they're in your market. Um, And even if you are both trying to grow and both start, have a podcast and all of those things. So, um, that's the lesson for today. I ho- I really think you guys will enjoy this one. Um, and I will run my intro and then you will hear the infamous intro to the PDR college podcast and then we will get into it. So I, as always, if you have any feedback, reach out to me on Instagram, um, at coach Corey K the PDR coach, um, or contact me on my website and, uh, let me know what you thought about this episode. Enjoy. What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld and this is the PDR coach podcast where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started.
1: I'm Keith Cosentino. When he's here, he's Shane Jacks. And this is the PDR College Podcast. The place where good dent repair guys come to get even better. Not on fixing dents, but on the garbage in your mind, evacuating it out and replacing it with useful content and useful ideas. And today is a very, very special episode. Today is the episode about your competition and how you let them into your head and how you let them run your business if you do the wrong things. On the other end of this magic wire running through the internet is my friend and competitor. In fact, it's the only person I've ever had on this show who I simultaneously want to have massive success and put completely out of business in the same breath. Welcome, Corey.
0: What's up, Keith? Thanks. Great intro. The feeling's mutual.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's not an insult, right? We're both coming from the same place.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So I got to give credit where it's due. Corey is actually the reason why we're doing this show. He reached out to me and um, gave me a little chat, but before that chat has any meaning, we kind of should set the stage, Corey, and tell people a little bit of context on, on who we are in relation to each other. Cause a lot of people know you, a lot of people know me, but they might mm-hmm. know, may not know us. So I, I'm very interested to hear your version. So I will let you tell it and then I'll correct it factually at the end with my version.
0: Yes, of course. So, okay. So I'll, I'll, I called you the other day. It's been several years since we've actually talked on the phone, partially due to the, you know, the competition thing that we, um, that we the world that we live in. So, I called you just because um, I had a confession I had to make to you about something that I was that I was pissed off about, essentially. And so, and I needed to get that off my chest so that we could start to develop a relationship because I know you're influential in the space, and I'm trying to become influential in the space. And um, I think it's beneficial to know your competitors instead of being only butting heads with them. So. Now, I got to um,
1: stop you for a second because you got to take it even farther back. Yeah. Like, we got to tell people who you are and who I am in our local markets. People don't know that.
0: Sure. So, I mean, as far as we're direct competition to each other, we both run the sac- run in the Sacramento market. Um, And we have, you've been in business, what, 15 years or so? As bull's no, on? it's
1: longer than that. Yeah. I think okay. it's 17 or 17 something years. now.
0: years. Um, my dad started dent pro in Sacramento in 1991 and, um, has been running a business in Sacramento. I've been working for my dad since about 2005. Um, I'll go back away. I'll go back from the beginning. So one day a guy that was working for me that used to work with you back at Dent Magic told me to listen to this podcast called PDR College. And I'd never, I'd never heard of a podcast, never listened to a podcast or anything before. And so I said, okay, I'll check it out. And um, listen to that. And then that kind of put me on the um, down the road of of listening to podcasts, listening to books and implementing all the ideas that you were having everybody else across the country implement into their PDR businesses. Um, So that's the beginning of our relationship with each other, not me listening to you and you probably not knowing I existed. That's probably how it started.
1: well, that that's not fair to say. I definitely knew you existed. So uh, Dent Pro has been uh, a formidable company in my area since I got into the industry. When I mm-hmm. came in, it was my company that I worked for, Dent Magic and Dent mm-hmm. Pro. They were the two biggest players, uh, and Dent Pro always had a really good reputation. So they were um, formidable competition. Not you know you can say you can talk a lot of crap about a lot of people, but. Uh, there didn't sit there didn't and still doesn't seem to be a lot of garbage thrown around uh, towards either company from either side. Both right. kind of re- respected competitors, Respect.
0: absolutely.
1: But we also weren't buddy buddy, showing up and hanging out having hot dogs together yeah. at each other's accounts. We, yeah. we both wanted to take every account from each other. Yes, uh, but but bo- the market is large enough, then we're both busy enough that it really almost never happened. We almost never stood. On each other's toes, almost like there was an unspoken agreement. Like I'm not coming in your stores, you don't come in my stores. But we never had that that conversation. No, we never
0: had the conversation. I took it. I took it as respect for both ways because um, there's there was no reason for me. Again, the market was big enough. There's big enough for you know. There's a lot of companies in the Sacramento market, not just the two of us. A lot. And I've took it as you know. There's no reason for me to try to go take the accounts um, or the body shops or things that you have because there are a lot other great accounts that you don't have. And so the way I always like, you know, the following the path of least resistance, um, taking accounts from a company who does things well, fixes repairs really well, charges accordingly really well, all that stuff. There's no reason to go pursue those um, when there's other stuff to get. And so as I, as I saw you not pursuing our accounts, I took that as kind of the same, the same amount of respect for that is like, why do that when there's, other things out there to get that are a little bit easier potentially.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Felt the same <laughs> way. There's so many guys like just showing up and cracking paint while they're on meth. Why don't I yeah. just go take those yes. instead of going trying to kick some guy out of an account he's had for 20 years?
0: And he's yeah, good so, and he's <clears throat> charged as well and all that stuff. There's no, you know, the amount of time it would take to even potentially do that is so much harder than you know just fixing a, a dent well and showing the the manager you can. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so for the, for we really have almost never crossed paths. No. Uh, from that we had we had our one run-in, which is what you were referencing earlier, but yeah. I think prior to that and even after years ago you guys came into Sullivan, but I think I was out of it
0: already. You were already out of it, yes.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think I was.
0: You know. So
1: it's it, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, but anyways, the, the, so that's where the back or that's where the history comes from. And mm-hmm. I do want to, you want to talk about our, our run in that time you try to punch me in the face.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I've never gotten to find my whole life actually. So people who know me really <laughs> well probably know that about me. I'm not like a, I'm not like a hothead guy. Um, I always get reflective on the situation that happens. So, um, we, we tend to blame our, our competition for everything that we don't have success for in our life. Um, well we tend to blame other people for everything right and so a lot of times in business it comes down to competition so anyways what happened just to set the set the stage real quick is that i had gotten an account a volvo account and then um oh i had it for several months or whatever a manager that you knew really well moved to the volvo account right so this is every guy every dank guy's you know nightmare of sorts right so a new manager comes like am i going to keep it or am i not so you meet the guy you find out he's from the acura store a store that you serviced for a long time, knew really well. And so I'm like, okay, this should be interesting, right? Um, Basically, the first test he gives me is a Mini Cooper quarter panel and says, you know, um, fix this, um, essentially. And so I guess to make the long story short, I didn't fix it perfectly, or probably maybe 70 to 80%. And partially because I didn't have the skills and abilities or the tooling. And he called you to come in behind me and fix it. Um, and I went and looked at it afterwards and it was way better than I had done. Um, and so that's a shot to the ego, right? Like that's, that's not a fun thing that, um, dank guys want to experience in their life or in their business. And so there's two ways that could go. Um, you could say, you know, I suck at debt repair. I should quit. I'll never be good at anything, right? All the, all mindset garbage, all fixed mindset, all Oh, like that's the limit of what I'm capable of doing. Or you can go the other way with the growth mindset and say, okay, that's like, that's my test, right? That's the thing that I, now I know that I have room to get better. Here's the new bar that I have set for myself and here, and now it's time for me to go create that business that I, that I've always said I'm going to create. That was like a, actually a big moment. And that's why I called you. Cause I, I was, have been thinking about that for years and years and years and may, you may not have thought about it twice, to be honest. And so I reached out to you and said like, um, we haven't talked in a couple of years. We had actually, I should actually go back a little bit now that I'm thinking about it. We are talking a little bit right before that Volvo incident happened a little bit more, right? We had, we had tried to kind of come on better terms. Maybe let's, Hey, maybe we could can, you know, potentially combine the two largest companies in Sacramento and make one big massive company or, or at least come to some sort of terms with each other about like you staff, my staff, staff, you're something we were just talking. And then that incident <laughs> happened. And then there was a two year drought of talking.
1: Right. Um, Th- that'll happen.
0: It'll happen. <laughs> so I called and said, like, here's the deal. Thanks for doing that to me. Thanks for making that make from thanks for taking that account for me. Because honestly, that was like one of the big moments in my life, in my business that I decided that now I really need to up my game. If I say I want to have this business that I want to have. You know, um, and that's the I think one of the big lessons for everybody listening is um, you get those pivotal moments in life where you can go one direction or the other, maybe with you, maybe in your direct competition um, in business or in life. And uh, we get to decide where we take it from there.
1: Yeah. Um, and I love that you called me with that. I mean, I appreciated that professionally, first of all, but. Um, You know, you brought it back to me starting the podcast and Mm -hmm. talking about worrying about your competition. And of course, I think I've talked about it on the show in years past, but it was definitely a thought process of, man, I'm going to take the best stuff I know Mm -hmm. and share it for free when I know all the competition in my market is going to listen to it and Mm -hmm. duplicate to the best of their abilities what I'm doing. And, you know, there was some soul searching that had to go on before I decided to do that, but not as much as you might think. And that's kind of what you were talking about is that some of the right. people you've encountered in your coaching are, are really paralyzed by the fear of their competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these, and and you asked me, like, what was your experience with the podcast? You, you had some, you had made some assumptions which were correct, but the assumptions you made were, you know, did it open more doors than it closed essentially? And the answer is resoundingly, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it make my competition better and, and a little more difficult to deal with? Absolutely. Um, one of the snide remarks I like to make on the podcast is you know y- y- you can go ahead and copy the stuff that I'm sharing. That's my old stuff. I'm <laughs> the new stuff right. is going on right now right so you're you're, you're you're a Chinese knockoff if you're trying to take me out with the stuff I'm sharing on the podcast. and that's a it's half a joke, you know I'm yeah. still trying to share my best stuff uh, and I I'm no legend. I'm just doing the best I can and trying to help out with other people who don't have anything. But when you're forced, not forced, when you choose to put it all out there, you have to keep pushing yourself to the next level. Like when I share my best stuff with all my competitors, I better damn come up with something new next week or Mm -hmm. else I'm now I'm the one playing from the back. It was a little bit self-serving, Corey, because I thought, okay, one of the main problems in running a retail business uh, against competition is pricing. Sure. If I'm coming out looking at a dent and I give them a $1,900 quote, and then some other jack wagon rolls out there and gives them a $300 quote and can yeah. do a good repair. My business is screwed, at least in that scenario. Right. So I thought if I can tell this jack wagons that, Hey, um, at least you can get 1900 bucks for the the job you're charging 300 for, we'll all be in a better spot in this market. And right. I think that that's come true to some degree. I think the prices are better across the board. I don't know about you, but I, we don't tend to get beaten by factors <laughs> on, on estimates. We'll get beaten by a couple hundred bucks here and there, but that's still competitive. We don't do, we don't give a $1,200 quote and get beaten by a guy doing $120, you know?
0: No. Yeah. Not, not the customers that we find. No, I'm sure there's a lot of people getting out there getting $120 repairs, um, but they're not calling us. Um, I don't think (laughs) we've, we separated ourselves and other people in this, in this, in this industry, and even in our market have separated themselves as like, you know, more of a high dollar, um, repair and for a high quality service. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's pretty rare that I get I guess the people that probably go get the $120 repair just, just tell me no or just laugh at me when I, when I price it. So it's not like – yeah, I mean, it's a, that, that's
1: assuming, assuming we get to them first. Yeah, true. And we don't always. Sometimes the other company gets there first. sets mm-hmm. the pace and, and closes the deal. So right. from that standpoint, I, it was a little bit self-serving. But – um, everything. I mean, gosh, over so many years, there was nothing that we didn't talk about. And I'm kind of talking about the show like it's over. It's not over. I, we've taken a massive break and been really inconsistent with the schedule. I'm pretty embarrassed about that, to be honest. Uh, but the the spirit of the show lives on, and neither Shane nor I want to quit. So uh, we are going to continue making shows. I'm not going to promise they're going to be as regular as they were uh, in year one, two, or three. But uh, the show's not going away. But when you start um, sh- like I talked about this before, Corey, right? Competition and how much you let them into your mind. Yes. And that was a big topic with you talking about mindset. Why don't you tell me, uh, your thoughts and beliefs around that? I bet you we're very well aligned.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go to my personal experience. Cause I think that's the best way for people to potentially relate. So I'm you know 27, 28 years old. My dad owns the company since 91, and we're looking to make some changes based off of you know come out of that early 2000s model of you know no internet and no SEO marketing and no Google AdWords and no social media and all the things that Keith talked about on his podcast. In very and bad the... pricing. What's that?
1: In very bad pricing.
0: Yeah. And the very and the, the the old dent pro model pricing, which started at $89 um, back in the 90s and stayed that way for. A, probably a decade too long um so yeah. we'll that, was the one that,
1: that was the one that drove me crazy the most
0: right it, it, was, it was good though it was, it's not 90 89 right um so it gets right. you I guess. anyway so i started <laughs> seeing these change i started seeing the changes seeing that other people other changes people were making right so from my perspective so there's a lot of people that that say that their competition is too far ahead or their competition is too good or their competition is already done it so they can't And I'm, and, and I hope that you can agree with me, but I'm telling you that like you said a minute ago that you're no legend, right? I think that you might be a little wrong in the PR industry on that because you're probably one of the original people to ever get any of these people to start thinking the way that a lot of people think now. And the reason why I have a platform to start my podcast and coaching, et cetera. Right. Um, so it is legendary. I appreciate now, that. Yeah, I, I believe. I I don't think there's many people out there that will disagree. And I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call spade a spade. I'm not gonna try to sit here and sugarcoat it and tell you that what's not true. Anyways, um, so if people say like I can't. My competition has been here for ten years, or they've already started the pricing. It already started this. Like, think about my situation when I was doing this five, six, seven years ago like I was going up against the person that was creating the podcast like the industry leader the advanced skill seminar the pricing the tabs everything right and I think at least to a respectable level that I was able to keep up or at least have some amount of competition with that business even though I potentially had really no business being there he was so you were so far ahead of me in far as like business acumen and knowledge and and just knowing how to implement and what to implement in your business. Um, and so I think one thing that I would say to other people, if you're using the excuse of your competition, uh, they've been there for too long, they've already done this, they already charge those prices, they already have all the good customers, they already have all that. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think there's always space for another competitor that can actually make both Bullseye, your company and my company better in the long term by competing if that makes
1: sense. Yeah, there's a reason there's a Lowe's and a Home Depot within a quarter mile of each other. It makes each store better. I'm sure one of them doesn't like it. There's always Mm -hmm. one that's first, I would imagine, or maybe they go back and forth. I I don't know. know. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is, yeah, those are totally different. True,
0: fair point. (laughs) 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 Who's the Walmart? Let's not talk about that. Okay, go. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) But... it it is a common theme of in every industry that I hear about, that I talk to people about it. And that is letting your competition too far into your company. And what I mean by that is um, people will say, okay, well, we're going to price our services. Fantastic. How should we price them? I don't know. What's, what's everyone charging out there. And it's like, if you're selling a commodity, that's what you have to do. If you're selling gallons of milk or bottles of water, Right. But, if but if, we're selling a service and no two services we provide are ever the same, even when you do multiple things for the same person. So there's no, there is no standard by which the pricing should exist. So what you're saying, when you say, you know, what is the market rate? You're saying, mm-hmm. I don't know how to price my service and I want someone else to do it for me because the, the belief that if, if you're out of line with the public with, with what's the current offering that you're not, that you're going to be out of business. It's just flat out false. It's not true. Mm -hmm. People don't shop like that. They don't shop, you know, 10 different estimates and then find the three that are the average and then ask them all to low. This doesn't work like that. (laughs) People usually get one estimate and then they either convert or they don't off of it. Yeah.
0: It's whether you provide enough value in your estimate that it makes sense in their head, regardless of what anybody else in the market's doing. If, if, exactly if, if right. Sum it up, yeah.
1: Because listen, I could, I could change my profession right now and be a dent repair consultant. Mm-hmm. You bring me the dent and I'll, I'll get it done for 65 bucks every time, every time, because there's a guy that'll do it. And then there's the guy that'll beat the other guy that'll do it. Yeah. And I speak the language and I know where they are. They're hiding behind dealerships. I'll just drive around behind dealerships all day until I find somebody who wants 65 bucks cash. <laughs> right. So it's not, it's not that there's, there's not always somebody that'll do it cheaper. There always is. But w- when you let those folks in to run your company and now you're suddenly the the, the, the lowest price or even worse, the second lowest price, mm-hmm. w- what's the point? Why just get a job somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> just give up, give up the reins if you don't want to make the decisions at your company. It, it's just straight up head trash thinking that the market is what's dictating the pricing. And there'll still people that will argue with me about that. Right, and there's certain industries where it's absolutely true. Like if you're if you're in a giant construction or engineering firm and you're bidding uh, public jobs, yeah, dude, there's a dollar that the market price has to be. You got to be that or under, or you're not going to get the job. But these are one-off, high-touch, very difficult to replicate transactions. Yes. I agree. And they're, they're simply just not shopping them. They don't know what the market rate is. The market rate is, can you make me feel comfortable spending the amount of money that you're asking for? And if the answer is yes, then you get the job. And of course you got to produce.
0: Yeah. You got to be able, able to do. For 100%. So
1: what do you think is, is at the base? What is the root of these guys that say, uh, I gotta, I gotta get the, I gotta be you know, competitive in my market. What's what is the base problem with them? It's not the pricing, it's something else.
0: You mean you mean people that are are refusing or aren't growing or or growing the yeah, so you or got, raising their prices? You
1: got Johnny Dent repair that yeah. you're working with and he said, yeah. Listen, Corey, I can't I can't charge hundred and fifty for to start because everyone in my market charges sixty-five.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. it's it's my, it's mindset about the their their relationship between um, well it's it can always be a couple of different things, but the one that I see the biggest is that they don't have the belief that they're worth enough, that they're w- worthy enough to charge that price. Basically, it, a big lot big. of it, what it comes down to, is they're like, I've been doing dent repair for twelve years, and I'm good at dent repair. I know I can fix that dent in – 12 minutes, I can't charge them $218 for it. And you can actually, in fact, do that and be perfectly happy with it. Um, and a lot of it's just the mental, the mental game of that. Um, they start relating their value that they're creating to the amount of time that they're spending. And once you can, you can release those two things separate from each other and just start saying you're the value you're creating is the value that you're, that you're giving them in the dent repair as compared to what it, would be cost to fix it at a body shop or what it would cost or how much trouble it causes them if it stays there or whatever. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things, but I think it all comes down to the mental space because everybody knows now they've seen the Paul Corden pricing guide. They've seen all this. They know that you, this, like you can get $150 for the dent that they just can't. And I think that they're just, that that's just stuff that they have to overcome by, by one doing it and then two learning how to make that sale so they can build the value up high enough so the customer does believe that it's worth 150 cuz the one thing i've seen is that people will, they'll just get the mobile tech rx or whatever and they'll go pri- they'll go price things and they'll just do the same exact sales approach that they've always had where they're like yeah look at the dent it's an inch it's 150 bucks or 154 dollars now or whatever it is and they don't get those deals um, because you have to up your value from the second you pick up the phone till this, the second that you leave their house or they leave your shop. Um, it's an entire sales process. So you have to up your game, create more value, and then you can get more value on the back end from the customer. Um, that's the premise so, of what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And side note, uh, I, I had thought about this a moment ago and I got sidetracked, but, um, Paul Corden deserves a ton of the credit for getting the pricing where it is with his hard work that he did, promote, not just creating, but promoting his pricing guide. So yeah, we definitely yeah. took the torch and ran with it, but that was Paul's baby. I was actually against pricing guides, to be honest with you, for my own head trashy reasons. And yeah. Paul helped me see the light and and, and we took it and and pr- tried to share with as many people as possible. So uh, we definitely contributed to part of that um, campaign, but Paul is really the mastermind behind creating it testing it and then promoting it right so and you out. had the
0: platform though that's the thing correct the platform and that's where it was the, a synergistic
1: m- yeah. magical moment
0: that's the beauty of business right i mean he had an yeah. idea you had the platform to come together and make it reality for a lot of people not for everybody maybe someday yeah
1: <laughs> he probably created over a billion dollars worth of value honestly like not even kidding i saw an that's ad true. from um, mtrx i saw that, that mentioned they'd written like 1.9 billion dollars in invoices yeah which is awesome and we were jamming with the pricing guide long before mtrx was out yeah uh, which mtrx is fantastic uh, but not that many not everybody uses it you know they're they're getting they're getting close uh but it's and that's close. been recent so if they've got 1.9 billion, there's probably another 5 billion that's unaccounted for. And I yeah. firmly believe that PK created a billion dollars in, in, in extra, uh,
0: GDP <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just on the uh, guide. Potentially. Yeah. There's just the mindset shift that like, and again, I mean, the same thing with like what kind of Bryce Kelly does. I've had them both on my podcast as well. And, um, belief is just a huge part of everything belief that you're able to charge $150 for a door ding or belief that you can go get those dealerships or belief that you could build a million dollar business. If you want to, that's a, that's a, that's the beginning of everything, having that belief and people are so far away from believing that they can do anything, that that's part of a problem. And that's where coaching comes yeah. in. But his belief made it so that other people can believe that it was possible for their area. Um, and then like people like Bryce Kelly, Sal Contreras, the guys that are pushing the limits on dent repair, you know, when they're posting the videos, then it gives everybody else the belief like, oh, well, I saw, I saw Bryce Kelly do that. Now maybe potentially I can do that stuff too. Um, and just same thing with with my scenario with you. Like I did the Volvo job and I just had my own personal training. I never really pushed my limits on that. I was just, I was good. I was good at wholesale tech. I, make mo- I made most retail customers happy, etc. cetera. When I came back and saw the quality that was above and beyond what I did, I, I'm like, okay. I believe that I can do that too. Now I need to put in the work to be able to. Right. Um, a lot of it's the belief, and that's what Paul Corden was selling, really.
1: <laughs> now this is a this is kind of a mindset show, but I'm taking a little detour for a second just yeah. to talk about that scenario. Yeah. Uh, have you heard me talk about the concept of win or chuck it?
0: Yeah, um, on the podcast. Yeah, long probably a long time ago.
1: Yeah. So if you've never heard it before, when you've got guys riding motorcycles and they're riding balls out absolutely as fast as they can, mm-hmm. they're either going to win or they're going to throw the bike down the racetrack, right? Win or chuck it. Uh, so it's kind of a, a, a dirty little uh, back alley of managing your wholesale accounts. Right. But I when you're presented with a, with a repair that's challenging, <laughs> you really have two options, win or chuck it, right? Because if you get it halfway like Corey did with this thing, 70%, we'll say. Whatever, whatever, yeah. Right? You leave the door open for the Keiths of the world to come in and finish it and look like a hero. But if you just throw that thing down the road and it absolutely has to go to the body shop when you're done, it's terrible. It's not the right thing for the car. But you've closed the door on someone else coming behind you and taking the door back. So. This technique is to be used with caution. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I I don't like that technique, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you the problem that I had. Um, I don't remember the manager's name. Probably shouldn't say it, anyways. Doesn't matter. But I I knew that he was the manager at another store that you had, and I knew from listening to your podcasts or other or other ways, I guess, probably the podcast that you charge them high dollars for high quality repairs. Um, I think there was a chance that I could have made that a lot better. But the problem that I did was that I gave them $200 worth of repair. Um, And the way I understand it, maybe I'm wrong, but you came in, fixed it and charged them a lot more. If you remember that scenario, is that true? I don't remember the
1: dollars, but the, my, but that scenario sounds exactly like it was more.
0: Yeah. So the lesson that I learned was not, not either glass it or chuck it, but was charge what I need in order to make it so that no one can come behind me and make me look bad. That's the lesson nope. I took out of that to my other dealerships. Like, yes, I will fix that for you to a high quality repair. And I'd love to do it for you for $850. If you don't want that, then I can't work on it. Because if you pay me 200 or 400, I will do it at 75% because that's what you paid me for.
1: Right. And um, th- this is something we've talked about. I can't recall who who was talking about it with me the other day. But if if you don't, it was other dent guys. If you come into a job and the quote isn't right, and it can, doesn't have to be for dent repairs, it's for any service industry. Yeah. If you take a job for less than you think it should be, there's almost zero chances that you do your best
0: work on it. Yep, exactly.
1: You're going to MF everybody involved yeah. with it through the, whole point, through the whole process. But the point is that you're the one who agreed to the deal. So if you agree to the deal, you got to fix it right. It's not someone else's fault that you decided to fix it for less. It may feel like it. Like when you're at these accounts with bully managers, it yeah. can feel like they're making you and they might literally bully you and say, if you don't do this cheap, we're going to use somebody else. Yeah. Even still though, it's your decision to take it on
0: hundred percent. Right? So, and that's how you I, get into in that it, scenario, I didn't know what I was capable of getting. And from, for that repair and you did, and you had the relationship and you had the sales process and the acumen to do that. And that's the biggest thing I took. I took from that, that particular situation.
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, if we're going to get even deeper with it, when someone else doesn't finish it, it makes, if you're guy number two coming in, Mm -hmm. it makes your value even higher than it was in the first place. Because if you come Mm -hmm. in and just fix it from, from scratch, there's some thought that someone else could do the same, Mm -hmm. but when someone else already can't, and then you come in and look like the superhero Mm -hmm you can command uh, a lot more compensation for it. And, and you're going to get a lot more clout. Uh, I tell my guys all the time that every, every person every, that you're going to deal with, every decision maker will, will categorize you in one repair that you do. I don't know which one it's going to be and neither do you, mm-hmm. but they're going to latch onto one. And that is who you are for them almost forever. Unless you do something magical to change the course of their thinking. Mm-hmm. So that repair is either going to be garbage or amazing. And that's who you are. They like to categorize technicians with as good or bad. It's, it's not, it's nothing nefarious about it. It's just too, they don't know enough about what we do to put people in the middle. Correct. Three, the best they've ever seen, or they can't fix anything. Yeah. So you have to be careful when you have a new, a new relationship that you haven't taken time to develop yet because you don't have the time yet. And they give you something challenging, <clears throat> something challenging to do and you're not sure you can do it. I'm all for taking chances and doing tough repairs and pushing yourself, but there's a time and place for that. And when you're new at an account, it's not the time to do that. Mm-hmm. If you're confident you can do it, do it. But if you're really not sure you got to pass on it because if you chuck it, that's who you are to this guy forever. Yeah. You're the guy that finish a dent.
0: Right. But if you take so, one
1: that you know you can do and you glass it, then that's who you are to him forever. Him for ever. sure,
0: and I totally agree with that. And then, and then I think to go back just a little bit, what you said about the, having the confidence to repair the day, and this is something I've worked with almost every client on that I that I have, is that there's a lot of people that don't believe that they can glass stuff out, like you know, like pick a name. They have somebody in the industry that they follow that they think is the best, and they say I can't do that. Like this person, and what what Jeez. what what's that keith yeah it's always keith actually uh <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they it's always actually a lot of times bryce kelly to be honest with you because that guy's whatever yeah i know. sorry bryce man. kelly then keith i'm sure you taught bryce kelly how to do how to do day repair i taught right? him almost all of the
1: stuff He's, that he doesn't know
0: exactly so so what um what i see is that Is that when you charge enough money, like you said, originally going back to that, when you don't charge enough money, there's almost never a a time where you're going to put out 100% effort. So if you're not sure that you can fix a dent, I think the best way to ensure that you will do the best that you physically can possibly do and today for fixing a dent is to charge a number that you've probably never charged before, or charge a number that is like way more than you think that that person is willing to pay or way more than you'd ever gotten for that four inch crease before. And then all of a sudden, if they say yes to that, then it's like, okay, I don't know if you listen to Bryce Kelly podcast, but Bryce Kelly will have this thing in his head. Well, he will say like, I will finish this dent. Perfect. They, the family, or the, the person I'm fixing the dent for has my family hostage. And the only way I can get them back is to fix the dent. Perfect. Um, that's his like mindset game that he plays with. Yeah. There are some taken jokes going around, you know, like, um, like the movie taken, but, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I think the way in order to get yourself to that point is to charge enough or more than enough for the repair. Um, if you're in that scenario, if you, if you don't think you can fix it perfect, but this is your shot and you're like, I don't want to say no, to this, like, okay, Mr. Customer, Mr. Mr. Um, used car manager, I will do it for X price if, this, if you want it to be like you can never see it. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, we used to talk about that on the podcast, actually. Yeah. When, when you fail at something, I would ask kind of the same question to myself and to the people around me. If you had unlimited time and money yeah. wasn't a factor... Like if you were locked in a prison, that's what I used to say. And, uh, maybe Bryce's is a riff on mine, it's but if you were locked out. in a prison and you get out when the thing is flawless and you get to work on it every day, could you fix it? It's like, well, there's not much you couldn't fix. If I mean, if you're working on it for three years every day, right? And Unless you ruin it somewhere along the line, you can right. fix a lot of stuff, right? So So somewhere between you don't want to do it and you have to do it, mm-hmm. there's all this area in the middle. And that's where the pricing comes in, right? If you priced it, just like you said, if it's a number, I like what you said about that. If the number's so high that you you have to try it, yeah. And you have all of a sudden you bought yourself just for argument's sake, you bought yourself a week, a week. right? A <laughs> yeah. week, sure. right? Enough time that you can go home and think about it and come yeah. back with you know a jig or a or a stand or buy whatever. New tools or whatever. <laughs> yeah, P- create new tools, buy new tools, yeah. whatever. There's a lot that you can do, but but we put all all these extra constraints on them. Like it has to be done in a couple hours and I can't leave here. I have to use what it's in my truck, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we tell ourselves the rules of the game based on the game we want to play. So we say my game is based on dollars per hour. So I can't do this dent because it doesn't pay enough dollars per hour. But you're saying I I basically saying I don't want to do it. Yeah, Bryce, Bryce is a unique guy because he wants to make it perfect.
0: But he's also most of charging numbers that most of us aren't even.
1: Maybe, charging. maybe not. Right? Regardless of what he charges, yeah. he internally wants to make it perfect. He he's an artist by nature. Right. He creates music. He a lot of people don't know that about him, yeah. but he's an artist by nature. He he wants to create a beautiful end result. Yeah, I think most guys just want to make. A, a number that they find to be a compelling number of dollars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, that's the goal. So yeah. if they can crank out, yeah, if they can crank out 80% repairs and, and make, you know, two or $300,000, that's amazing. That's what they want, the money. And I'm not saying that's bad. Nope. That's most of us, but that doesn't necessarily uh, produce the absolute top potential that you have as a technician. Right. That, that comes with a mentality like Bryce's, which is unique. I mean, the reason we're talking about him is because he's a very, very unique individual. Yes. There, there's only probably 10 guys that I've ever heard of that are like that. Yeah, you got him. Yeah, the, the Brazilian
0: Guitis,
1: guy. Guitis <laughs> what? Oh, oh, get it? Yeah. I, yeah, I even say Guitis Guitis. yeah, I don't know. Geddes or Guides? Yeah. Yeah, the guy in Brazil, Arlson, yeah. um, Kaz. Sal yep. and mm-hmm. a handful of guys in between, Shane is like that. Yep. They're just talented artists and they want to do their craft. And if they can make really good money along the way, they'd like that as well. But the yep. money is not not the number one factor. It's it's the practice of their craft. Whereas other guys just want to get into business. They just want to make money. So a lot of guys stay in the wholesale world like that. And they don't have to be very good. Or they don't have to be really good. They just have to be good consistently and fast.
0: So, that's, so they, that's probably a good transition into um, what the future of the industry looks like. I hope I hope there's a ton of value for people competing with other people, whether um, you know whether they're open about it or not, or whether they know their competition or not, or whatever. But like, don't let that hold you back. I think this is bottom line. Whether you're going to start a podcast, start putting your prices on your on your pictures that you're putting on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, anything you want to do is fair game. Don't let the competition hold you back from that. Cause I think that uh, only hurts you more. It hurts you more than it um, helps you, I guess.
1: Yeah. And and you can take our experience as, um, as an example for you in your own market, wherever you're listening from, you know, Corey and I have competed. We've gotten to the point where we stepped on each other's toes, but Corey never badmouthed my company. Even when I came and took the store because of that, that one repair, yeah, I never badmouthed his company. You know, I didn't, I never went around and said, you know, look at it, they couldn't finish it down. I can finish it. Every car is different. Every gen, the, the, the game starts over, yeah. you know? So, and I, I firmly believe like you, the reputation you make with what you say is, is even more important than what you're doing out on the lot. So I'm going to, I'm not going to run through a dealership and start talking bad about anybody. I mean, the internet, there was nothing I could have, I, I could legitimately have said that was bad, but a lot of, that doesn't stop people. Right? They still make stuff up. Oh, for sure. Uh, we know those guys in our because, market. <laughs> right. And because they have this win, win, lose mentality, right? If yeah. Corey's winning, then I must be losing. Right. Where I don't look at it like that. But Corey can win and I can win. And maybe on this particular instance, it's a win loss, but even then, right. That specific account, was nothing to get excited about for either of us. No, it, wasn't. it was more of a pride thing. That I, the the back the back backstory was that that was you know this, but no one was listening. That. that that was where our Acura store was that we had right. forever. It moved, the the parent company opened a Volvo store there, so yeah. we had that because some of the people stayed. Well, then we had one manager who didn't like one of my technicians. Why? Because the manager was kind of a dick. Nobody liked him. Yeah. And and my guy didn't want to cave for him. So mm. he walked, they called the cheapest guy in town who was an absolute butcher. I'll talk bad about that guy. Yeah, He ruined the cars and they needed somebody else. And my the, and because those- of the private manager, he wasn't going to call my guy back who was 10 times a technician, that guy. But but your company had a connection there. Yep. So they called you in and then everything was fine. Then that manager gets blown out and my manager gets put back in his original store. Now it doesn't say accurate on the building. It says Volvo. And, and even, and even then, I don't know if you know this part, he, he didn't say, Hey, Keith, come take the store back.
0: Oh, he said, and no, he, he told me this. He said, you get it until you lose it.
1: And that, and he's a hundred percent honest. He hey, told Austin. me, listen, I'm yeah. not going to kick him out. He's like, yeah. he's a nice guy. And I'm like, yeah, he is a nice guy. I don't have anything bad to say about him. Okay. Um, he's like, he's a nice guy. And you know, he seems to be doing fine. So if you know, I'm going to keep him here because it's, there's no reason I should fire him. Yeah. I'm like, Tons of respect, but you know, trust and believe. I'm looking for my opening to go take our store. For sure,
0: <laughs> everybody and I knew that. And I, I remember person. I justified it in my head at the time, um, for a long time, saying like, well, if it wasn't that, then it was going to be another dent. You know, I, I was, <laughs> I always said that in my head. Um, and the way yeah, I could come back, it would it, have. What's that?
1: Maybe it would have. Maybe it wouldn't have. Who knows?
0: Or who knows? Yeah, that's how. But he was it
1: not too. looking for a reason to to blow you out until he found a reason to, right? Uh, so well, the reason I'm saying all this is that the the fact that you and I were gentlemen about it mm-hmm. enables us to continue to do business. We're, we're we're friends. We're doing this show together, which is adding a ton of value to people all over the world, mm-hmm. and more doors are opening by keeping an open dialogue and treating your competition with respect when they deserve it. Yes. Uh, Yes. There, there there's some terrible people out there. There's probably one, two, three, at least three in my market that should leave and never come back.
0: Oh, at Uh, least three. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Three,
1: three for sure. That should never like if they, if I could get them to never touch a dent tool today, it would be a win for everyone. And I know them. you
0: and I have both tried on certain on certain accounts. Um, yes, yeah,
1: Good. Uh, but with that's those are the exceptions. Most guys who are in the same business, you would probably get along with them more often than not if you stopped and talked to them. And that's something we've preached on the PDR College podcast forever. Is go meet your competitors, <clears throat> your com- ugh, your competition, yeah. go meet your buddies. Cause they have a lot in common with you. They're not terrible people and you're going to be able to work a little better with them than against them. And, you know, some guys are just savage killers and they want everybody to go out of business. And I respect that as well, as long as you're doing it in an, in an upright fashion and you're not trying to like create um, untrue stories and right. lie about things. If you just want to be a better company and you literally want everyone else to go out of business. Like I joked in the beginning of the podcast, mm-hmm. I'm not mad at you about it. Like go get competitive and try to steal the whole market. Just do it, do it the right way. Do it with quality. Don't you know, do it with and price. <laughs> and, and that, and Shane and I have talked about that too. There's a market for the lowest price guy. If you can, yeah. if you can do dance for 25 bucks and do a great job at it, you're going to own the world. I don't know how that happens right now, but somebody does. It will happen eventually.
0: Well, okay. So that's, that's, that's the next thing is like, where's the, where does the, where does the PDR industry go? Right. Where is it? Where does it look? So you, you know, what's, I don't know how many years ago your podcast was five to eight. It's been a long time. Um, You've things have changed a lot. You have been at least a big aid in that or a platform to help others do that. um, Et cetera. You, there, there's been a lot of change in that in, in the wholesale side, in the retail side, et cetera. So where does the industry, where does the industry go from here? What are your thoughts on that? And this is kind of something that I ask to most of my my um, the people that come on my podcast. is like, you know, what are your thoughts on the industry moving forward?
1: I think I think it takes a hard divergence between retail and wholesale. Uh, right now, m- most companies can play in both worlds. I don't think that will still be the case in five ten years. I don't think the trade is going away the i've said this for a long time but the the steel industry and now probably the aluminum industry just too big to stop mm-hmm. making cars out of metal right away it's going to be a slow phase out those materials the supply chains are all built they're recyclable and they're proven so the cars are not going to be made out of carbon fiber or plastic or anything anytime soon no. so i think we're safe for our fa- our lifetimes yeah um, from that standpoint, but I think the wholesale prices will continue to get driven down, even though they should be going up because the complexity, the, the quality of repairs on on a whole are much higher now than they were. Yes. But you, when you think about the big player in dent repair, right, there is no Home Depot to their lows. There's nobody pushing back on them. They're running by themselves. There's no competitors to the Wiz. And that's an issue. That's a problem for for the people buying the service. Competition will drive that price down. I don't don't know who's going to be the next competitor to Dent Wizard if there ever is one. But once there is one, you can be certain that the prices are going to start to plummet at least in the dent repair world.
0: So that's interesting to me because I think between you and I, I don't, I think maybe it was a different time or something, but I think you and I have have actually, at least the play between my business and your business, Pro and Bullseye, was we were, I think, pushing the prices upwards. I was actually, had a goal of mine for a long time to be underbid by you (laughs) for a long time. Like, and so I was just like pushing the number up, pushing the number up, pushing like, God, at some point, someone's going to tell me, Keith or Jared or somebody is gonna do it for less and then I knew I was like okay now I'm at a high price and so but you think mm-hmm. when when or if there's a competitor to the the market for for the um, Dent wizard guys like that will only drive prices down
1: and here's why Corey because yeah. right now you're talking about the guy doing the bidding is the guy fixing the car
0: yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: these are these are corporate deals that yes. are done in a boardroom. They don't give a crap who fixed the car and they shouldn't. That's not their job. The job is to create big, big deals and lock them up for a long time. And they have all the numbers. They can look and say, we're going to lose money. We're going to lose a dollar per car on dents, but we're going to make money on keys and wheels. Yeah. And no one's challenging us. So they will write losing loss leader deals to keep everybody working. Now, this is not based on any insider information at, Wizard or any other company. This is my opinions about what's going on, but it's based on what I would do if I'm in that position. But right now they don't need, there's nobody pushing them to do that. Right. There isn't another company that can provide the service that they can provide. So their prices are low, but they're not stupid. They're actually, the their wholesale prices on, on a lot of things are, are very good.
0: Right. They are. Yeah. They, I agree.
1: From yeah. a technician standpoint. So if they're good for a technician, uh, that means there's a lot of room. Unfortunately, yeah. I speak yeah. as a technician, but also as the owner of a business. Yeah. And I right now in in my company. I'm super concerned with how well my technicians are compensated yeah. because I believe when they're compensated, well, they'll do their best work. Like we were talking about earlier, but when the company gets bigger and bigger and bigger, the guy at the top usually loses more and more connection to the people on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's just a natural a series of events that happens in a big company. They have to be concerned with bigger things and have to get off of the the ground floor. And people talk crap about them and put them on Undercover Boss, but it just has to happen. You you can't make big strategic moves and still be concerned with, you know, which tap-down a guy's using. It's not going to happen. Sure. So when that happens, if it ever happens, I think we'll see wholesale prices dropping. But because of that, quality of the repairs is also going to drop because Mm. guys who are really good will go to places where their skills are valued. Yes. And, and that, that's, that the, big, I
0: mean, that's got to be Dent Wizard's biggest problem, right? Once and Dent, and, an,
1: yeah. it, and it still isn't even that big of a problem. I don't know if you were paying attention, but the last couple of years of, of Dent Olympics, the Dent Wizard guys are yep. smashing it up. Yep. They're fantastic technicians because they're like, wait a second. Uh, We're going to buy some of our own tools because we've been using the stuff that they give us. Uh, And let me show you what a guy who's been pushing dents for 15 years all day, every day can do when he wants to. And they're fantastic. (laughs) yeah. Right. When they're paid right or when they want to.
0: Um,
1: And I'm not saying those guys are hacking stuff up and then doing it nice when they want to. Those guys who win the competition, they're they're balls out all the time. They're badass techs. Uh, But the idea that, you know, all dent wizard guys suck. everybody has stopped saying that when they started showing up and and handing everybody their lunch, they don't all suck. It's just a big, big company. So you're not going to get 3000. I don't know how many texts they have. I can't remember. Yeah. So just call it, I think it's a thousand or something like that. But anyways, you're not going to get that many guys and they're all amazing. You're going to get like a regular bell curve, a couple of studs in the bottom, a couple of guys that can't even pick their nose. Right. And then most guys in the middle who are halfway decent. Yep. So I think the retail business takes off um, and becomes, a staple like people are still wondering how it works. Does it work on every car? What can you do? It's less of that now, I think as opposed to 10 years ago, but still happening. So another 10 years, it might be common knowledge uh, that dent repair is a thing and a fixed location with mobile units is probably the ideal uh, structure to service the community. A lot of people like to go to a place where there's a store. You guys have a fixed location, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't use it a ton to market out of, specifically because so many people love love the mobile retail (laughs) Um, yeah it's very convenient why why the fixed location can be if it's done right in an area that is a high traffic high dollar area and for you know areas for you and i that's a a high dollar
1: (laughs) per month right expensive
0: it's expensive to get like to the spot where you know jiffy lube is um, for people to come in and out of, right. in the, in the shopping centers. Um, so yeah, we're not can, all in
1: Greenville where you can trade like seven rabbit pelts yeah. and you get like six months of rent. <laughs> Some places it costs a few bucks.
0: Yeah. And the dent repair prices is pretty similar or especially on the hail side too. Um, so I think, <laughs> I think retail shops in non-hail areas are a different, different subject than retail shops in hail prone areas too. Totally. Uh, that's yeah. a whole separate, whole separate conversation to have as well but yeah I would so agree. anyways
1: that's the answer to my question where is the industry headed i, I kind of hope i'm wrong about it and i hope you know everybody keeps getting better compensated and doing better repairs but that's what i think is going to happen
0: right i think the same I
1: way th- like shift and carvana are are just dropping an elbow off the top ropes on the car business and saying yeah hey, how about this style you haven't seen this before and nobody knows what to do with them yeah I think something similar will happen in our little tiny industry.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, but I can see that. I mean, I don't think Dent Wizard is big into the retail market either. So I wonder if they decided to um, get bigger into that more than instead of focusing on getting contracts with, you know, auctions and, and uh, car maxes and things like that, if that would change things as well.
1: Maybe. I mean, I think the reason they're not in the retail business is because it's not as profitable. They. they're not stupid. They I think they've tried a couple of stores. Somebody mentioned to me there was a Dent Wizard retail store. Yeah. Somewhere. Um, I can't recall. I talked to a lot of people about yeah. a lot of things. But the but the contracts that they get, the corporate deals, they're really big, Corey. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm I they mean, they're they're, they're putting day. hundreds of technicians to work mm. daily, balls out every day. You know, that's the dollars are just different different numbers. Yeah. When, you know, you're like, hey, if we get this retail spot, if we can get it up to 40 grand a month, that's amazing. And then they're doing half a million dollars a month through some of these organizations
0: or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They just, you know, like Carvana deal they have. They they make big, big deals with big, you know, they have like Ford credit. Yeah. Like that's every Ford sale everywhere in the country. And they have deals with, you know, railheads and all that kind of stuff. I don't pretend to know it all, but. Yeah,
0: CarMax and and things like that, which. Right. Those are the deals that they're doing. I think you know that and I know, I know people out in, um, in other areas in Northern California, but we, we did CarMax for years and years and years, even though they had a national contract with Dent Wizard, um, because they couldn't keep up with what they said they would keep up with. Right. Um,
1: and the only, the only problem that the only reason they didn't is because they didn't or wouldn't invest in the infrastructure in our area. Yeah. Right. To, to create a Dent Wizard's system. They just kept throwing two people guys. from a couple yeah. hours away, yeah. or or putting two people here all on their own, and that's not yeah. how the team works. That's, yeah. They're not snipers; they're infantrymen. I right? yeah, said so you in like can't just
0: guys at, once.
1: at least fifteen, right? So that yeah. when one dude calls in sick because they're just employees, that there's another three guys that can back him up. Or if the dealer says, "Hey, we have forty-seven cars when need done tomorrow," that five guys can show up and finish them. Yeah, which is it's- how they market but then they didn't, they didn't put enough resources. Like they plan to fail in our area basically, but make no mistake, Corey, if they wanted to come in here strong, they could, they just, they're not making full commitments.
0: Yeah. They haven't done that yet. That's interesting. Yeah. They're, yeah,
1: they're a, they're a big, they're a big player. And I think it was a little naive of everybody, especially me uh, to think that, You know they're just a bunch of knuckleheads running around who couldn't fix cars, and and that's an exaggeration. But if you would ask any independent guy that I talked to over the last, you know, ten years, oh yeah, Den Wizard, they they can't fix a car. No, not worried about them at all.
0: They just right. Whatever.
1: So a lot of us started believing the hype, but then I met these guys. I know a lot of Den Wizard guys now. They're super good technicians, good guys, smart guys. they 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 hire good people and their training system is is better than anybody's. They I mean they you go to school and you wash out every day. There's somebody who goes home like a reality show if you can't fix the cars. And then they get the perfect training ground where there's active technicians in the field that you go and work with and yeah. see how it's done in the real world. So the guys that are not good, it's because they don't want to be good. The guys that wanna be good, they excel at damn wizard. It's a great place to be.
0: They get good.
1: They get good fast. Yeah. So, uh, at any time you are underestimating your competition, you are probably kind of a fool. You have to assume everybody's good. Everybody's coming to eat your lunch, and every dent that you leave halfway done
0: someone's is, coming
1: is to fix it. someone's coming, dude. And I mean that. Winner Chuck, it was more that that comes from a place of fear, not a place of I am going to come and steal accounts. Right. That's like if I don't get this right, somebody's going to come and fix it. One of these dudes who doesn't have anything to do for the next week is going to come and fix this. And it's never been more true than it is now. Right. There's Very amazing cool. training out yeah. there. There's five new technicians every day mm-hmm. and they all want to work. And then, I mean, we had some guy coming to my franchise stores just last week that nobody's ever heard of.
0: Yeah. Did you I ask mean, me about that? I can't remember if it was you that asked me. Have you heard of yeah, this? we
1: might've talked yeah. about it. Yeah. When we yeah. were talking about this know- podcast. <laughs> yeah so you you gotta you do you gotta close all those doors as well as possible right? because bad stuff happens at the very minimum. you get your prices driven down by somebody who doesn't understand the market and doesn't listen to podcasts
0: <laughs> for sure, yeah um well, it's an interesting perspective. i think uh I think that is the first time I've heard on my podcast as to somebody that has that had less than a stellar outlook of the future of the industry.
1: That, well don't don't twist it. It's not that it's not stellar. It's just different. It's right. And I, I don't know if I'm right. We're all guessing. Of course the future. Not. Yeah,
0: we're all guessing, yeah. Obviously.
1: But but it's not that it's not stellar. From the perspective of the car dealerships, it's amazing. Sure. Right? If you yeah. get decent repairs done for half of what you're paying now, that's a win for them. Win. Like nobody's you're not mad about Amazon, dude. And you're not mad about Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know, you got falling prices everywhere. Uh, but as soon as it gets in our backyard, then we're, then it's a bad, then it's a negative. You know, Like Shane likes to point out um, when was the time that the like people that say, man, there, there's enough technicians. Yep. When was the time when we should have stopped training? It's probably right after you were done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was the last guy that should be trained and then we have enough. Right. So it's a very myopic view of what, you know, what's good or bad.
0: You know. So what do you think about um, that? Then do you think, I mean, do you think we're still short? technicians whether dent wizard or independent guys or not in the in the industry in totally. order to serve the retail market effectively we're short like thousands of technicians right
1: totally okay. right think about how if, if you didn't know anything about this planet and i said hey right. welcome here's earth here's how it works we how have cars, cars we road? drive and yeah. we get them we get them smashed up and we go to this place where they unsmash them it's called a body shop yeah oh that's really cool and they um but they can't fix these little dents it doesn't make any sense. They fix the car. They can fix the big ones but they can't fix the little ones. Yeah. That's different. You got to go somewhere else. For that. that doesn't make any sense at all.
0: Well, the only reason, them, but it's just,
1: <laughs> right. but the only reason there's not a full-time PDR guy in every body shop is because the body shop doesn't understand PDR well enough to incorporate it into their insurance based system. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. Agree. As soon as they figure that out and figure out how to get compensated properly, 'cause right now, like the insurance company wants to pay off a hail matrix, yeah without a bunch of arm bending and talking and selling, right not just a, a if they want to get a straight d r p approval they have the only way they have to do that with p d r that I'm aware of, and I could be wrong about this, please reach out to me if i'm not yeah. if I'm not correct, but is is using a hail matrix, so you're gonna do a debt for thirty bucks one one down on one panel or fifty bucks. No, that's not generating the right revenue for the shop. Let's paint it and blend the door and pull all the molding off. Let's make it a you know nineteen hundred dollar repair. So yeah. that's why it happens. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they can compensate effectively and say, okay, it's PDR instead of paint, it's going to be four hundred instead of nine hundred, then you'll see a PDR guy full time in every shop, as it probably should be. Right? Probably. It's like that's like it's the equivalent of saying I do PDR, uh, but I can't get access to the dents. I need an R&I guy or somebody to roll the windows down for me. It doesn't make any sense, right? You got to do the whole thing.
0: So you think either, so that will you happen. guys get folded into body shops or there are body shops and PDR shops.
1: I think there's a dent guy in every body shop that has the volume, you know, that's yeah. like any body shop that you, any account that you'd want to get. Yeah. They, they could support a full-time dent guy all day long. Probably. I don't, And it's silly that they don't. It's just them being, they don't understand what we do. Even though they deal with us every day, they don't understand how to make money on us. Mm-hmm. But when they figure that out, there's no reason they won't have a technician in there. Currently, they train them and then if they get good, they leave. Right. But if they could figure the compensation piece out and or the rest of the market drops and that you're only going to make good money as a freelance solopreneur, But if you're working for someone else, you're going to make, you know, 38 grand a year. And that's just how it rolls. Then those guys are going to either work for big orange or big blue or a body shop or work for themselves. And if they don't want to work for themselves, they're going to be at one of the three places. That's what I think. Now now that also from a technician standpoint, you would probably categorize it as gloomy or, you know, not stellar, but industry-wide it's better for the consumers. If there's a dent guy at every body shop that does a good job.
0: And that's where so business is. Figure out better for the consumer. That's the that's right. Issue, yeah. And
1: if you can make it better for the consumers and more people are buying it, then it, it is better. You just have it's just different. It's not worse. It's just different. It is different. It's like is pizza is pizza better than cheeseburgers? They're not this they're not even the only thing that's similar to their food. Right? The one isn't better than the other. They're just different. And if you look through the lens of a technician now who wants to make a million dollars for making sheet metal flat, yeah, that sounds crappy. But if you look at it on a larger scale, okay, if this is going to transition now, most of the people listening to the show are very far into the industry already. Yep. There's going to need to be people who run these companies who understand the trade, who train and who grow them and who fill these holes. That's for you and for me and the other guys, people listening, guys and girls. Right, the, the the new people who are coming up, they're they're eleven years old right now. Like right. when you said, your dad started DEMPRO in ninety one. Yeah, I was five. I graduated. I graduated high school in ninety six. Yeah. Right. So, I was crapping in my own pants when he was figuring out dem repair. Yeah. So, he could. It, we are the the owners now that are creating these opportunities, and then the people coming in are going to have to be the technicians to fill those holes. And they don't know any better than then a 50 or 60 or $70,000 a year is not an amazing income. Cause it is is. the average in the U S is like
0: what? 38 or something. Two or something. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. 40 grand. So
1: like a body guy at a tech at a, at a body shop. Most of them are, I think are somewhere in the 70 range in California. And then you get in the Midwest and all that. It's way lower. Yeah, for sure. Arguably more skilled than a PDR technician, not specialized like we are, but they can do way more stuff
0: right Versatility they, can, yeah,
1: they yeah they have more skill i'm not saying they're better at doing what we do no. they, they obviously aren't no. but um they could repair a boat i can't right they they can they can remove transmission and put it back i can't do that i probably could with enough time but not well right they they can do a lot of different things that we can't do so who who's a more skilled technician in one in our little myopic area it's us but in the grand scheme it's them Right. So there's no reason they couldn't do PDR if they were devoted to a full time. Some guys just have cross eyes and they can't or they don't have the patience. But if you give me a thousand body guys, I bet I could get 700 of them to be decent technicians
0: over time. Eventually over time. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And they I
1: really think, wanted you know, to or they or they had to.
0: So what do you think so, about the space of of, you know, you and I owning businesses in Sacramento and new people coming into the industry and our business is growing because it's easier for them to work for us than it is for them to go get all their own work.
1: You know, I, that's a tough one. Yeah. We have, um, California, especially has lots of challenges. And yes. when someone,
0: especially the someones coming out
1: now, <laughs> yeah. When someone goes to the trouble of opening their own business for some, it's because they don't know what else to do, mm-hmm. but for a lot of them, it's a calling. They, 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 they just always wanted to do something for themselves. Yeah. You're not going to convert those people nope. more often than not. Right, because it's not all about the money. Like they they want they want the freedom, but some people just want the money. Like we talked about earlier. So if you just want the money, and you can say, listen, you don't have to do any more selling, you don't do any more of this this. Here, just here's your route. You show up, fixed ends, get money. That's appealing to a lot of people, and they have nice lifestyles. They work when it's time to work, and they play when it's time to play, and and they make a, a great wage. So yeah, will will you be able to roll up some of those smaller people if you have a bigger company that has tons of work coming out of its ears? Probably probably.
0: That's but what we've seen. what's that? That's what we've seen. Both of us, I believe. Yeah. At, sure. The last several yeah. years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That that's going to happen for some, but like, um, it's the nature of business is that it's always going to be churning and people are coming oh, okay. in and getting out yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, But it kind of calls back to our original purpose of this show. And that's, um, letting fear and the competition dictate your choices, and when I hear damn repair guys say it 's so competitive <laughs> it 's the most ridiculous thing at this point in time that i 've heard because yeah, not... it 's the least competitive business I can imagine,
0: yeah,
1: right? besides like painting portraits of people right <laughs> that you' talk about competition, how about a gas station or a restaurant? Right or a trucking company, right? Where it's just all about how cheap can you move this thing from here to there? This is the least competitive business, and even now, when there's you know for, what, for fifteen or twenty options, yeah. yeah. What's that?
0: I said, even probably for a lot longer. I would say the competition. I mean, they said we're thousands yes. and yeah. thousands of good technicians short of being able to service the um, retail market, whether it's through body shops, through dent wizard, through independent companies we're thousands of technicians short. So we got a long run left of, of there being, you know, very few like real competitors for the high end market for sure.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I, you know, it pains me as a technician to kind of say that stuff because like, Oh man, I don't want more competition, but, but I just think it's the reality of the situation and you're going to, if you structure your competi- your your company and make the make choices based on the idea that there is a thousand new guys coming tomorrow to steal your work, mm-hmm. your company's gonna be stronger. But if you just stick your head in the sand and go, ah, we're good, nobody's coming, we're solid, just got this thing wrapped up, that's when you start doing garbage work and running a bad company. You kinda have to be a little bit scared. Have you listened to that podcast, How I Built This?
0: I have some of the episodes, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, super good show. Really well produced. Probably one of the best podcasts yeah. for business on Great. the on the interwebs. But they did an episode with Steve Madden, the guy that makes shoes. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Steve Madden shoes.
1: Huge, there. huge company. Talk about competition. Uh, th- yeah, and, and he yeah, he knocked off shoes. Right, this kind of was his shtick. Yeah. I didn't know that because I am not into fashion. I learned that on the show. But he said every single day. I think the question guy Raz asked him was, "When did you feel like you finally made it?" Or something to that effect. And and he basically, to paraphrase, said every single day, I thought somebody was going to come and take my business from me. Yeah. Every day, someone, a competitor was going to come and take it. Every day. I mean, we, even when he got to like $400 million or some stupid number of <laughs> revenue, he woke up thinking somebody's going to eat my lunch. And that's the mindset that keeps you out front. It's a healthy amount of fear. Yes. And you start getting complacent is when you start doing bad work and, and sure. just not paying attention to the details. So. Don't be afraid of your competition. Don't make your decisions based on their decisions, but but don't be oblivious to the fact that they're out there, right? They're out there and they want you to go under. You've got to work hard to stay ahead of them.
0: Right. Yeah. You can so use it. You can use it to feel either way. The feel F-U-E-L fuel either way. You can feel it, feel it to where it, it, it turns you into like something that is so debilitating you can't do anything or you can feel it to make you keep going and build, build that Steve Madden style business, right? There's two ways to go about it. They're not going away whether how much you bitch about them or think about them or let them into your own head. But, uh, so you, you got to choose how you, f- how you let it affect you and what you're going to do. Cause that's really the biggest thing that matters is what you're going to do about your business. It's almost like
1: a optimist pessimist mindset, right? If, if you think, um, pessimist my wife's gonna cheat on me man i can't uh, i can't trust her uh this is terrible or optimist like i think my wife might want to cheat on me i better be a better husband i better crank up my game and be an unleavable husband or like oh this, she's the worst you know she doesn't know <laughs> i'm i'm leaving her first before she gets to do it on me you know like right up, two there's ways two, two ways of looking at the same situation
0: absolutely
1: one is powerful and one is fear-based
0: Absolutely. I say choose. Corey,
1: yeah. All, all the time. Yeah. I'm super glad that you, uh, invited me to do this show. Yeah. I'm glad that you allowed me to, um, turn it into my show as well. So we could both, uh, inspire people. So if people want to find your podcast and listen to it every time they're finished with one of mine, where can they find that?
0: <laughs> at the PDR, one of your, one of your, uh, reruns, right. Um, <laughs> at the PDR coach podcast on, I don't know, everywhere everywhere they're found, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, et cetera. Um, And follow me on Instagram at Coach Corey K, the PDR coach. That's where I hang out most of the time.
1: You want to talk about what is a PDR coach?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about a little bit in the beginning is about, it's really about how to implement um, everything that we've learned in this industry into your business um, and getting over the limiting beliefs that hold you back from doing that. Um, So, Um, actually I had a coach or I had, um, excuse me, Gene Fetty on the podcast and I meant to mention this. I don't know if you have time. I got a few minutes left, but, um, he hired you as a business coach. And I think the biggest thing you get from, from coaching, um, is, is the accountability and the direction and the clarity in your business. I think just having someone to another brain that is serving your business as much as you are, because when you, when you hire somebody as a coach, they're giving as much thought or more thought into how they can help you how they can assist you in growing your business um, and having those conversations every week. And then some, you know, some actionable items to take away after that. And then coming back next week with the accountability of, did you get that done helps you progress in your business, you know, 10 times faster than you would just deciding, I'll probably try this to do this next week.
1: Yeah, that's a big deal. There's, there's a million things. If I look to my left right now in the palatial PDR college studio, I have a whiteboard with probably seventeen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, so yeah, like seventeen or eighteen action items uh, that are on the list of, and they're in various stages of completion, from zero to ninety-nine percent complete. But uh, when you have a coach, it's like time for your call, and he says, "Keith, you have seventeen objectives. Uh, which one's getting done by the end of next week?" And you're like, "I don't know, man. They're all really good." I'm going to work on them all a little bit. (laughs) And if it's a good coach, he says, no. (laughs) Yeah. Which one's going to move the ball the farthest, the fastest. And you determine that. And he says, okay, I'm going to call you on Friday. And that thing better be done. Mm. So then when you hang up, you look at that list. You're like, oh, damn, Gene's going to call me or Corey's going to call me. And I'm going to have to give him some stupid answer about why I didn't do it. <laughs> I better just get off my butt and do it. And that's in my, in my world, that's where the magic of a coach comes in. Totally. You don't hire them because you think they're better people than you, or they, they might, you might hope they know a few things that you don't know, yeah. but they, they're not superhuman and they're not magical and they don't need to be. They just need to not be in, the, in your head because it's a messy place. Mm-hmm. They can just see what, what you're looking at from the outside in, see what you're missing. And encourage you to make the decisions that, honestly, you probably knew you should have made the whole time, but for some reason, you were just hung up on the last bit of action. Uh, and I had a coach for a long time, too, and I had an okay experience from it. And when it ended up, in retrospect, I realized that in, until you're ready to, um, I like Gene's term, take massive action, you probably shouldn't hire a coach. Right. You got to be ready to go because all the magic stuff that Corey's going to say to you or that I would say to you, I'm not in the it. business of coaching anymore. Do it for you. <laughs> yeah, they don't do it. You got to want to do it yeah. and you got to take moves. And if you don't, and it, you're not going to have a great experience. You're gonna, you might be inspired and think it's cool, but at the end of the day, your revenue is not going to change if you don't change anything. So
0: right. uh, if you're considering hiring scary.
1: Corey or anybody else, you got to be ready to go.
0: Yeah. It's the people that say they want more in their business and want more in their life. And they've said that for X amount of time, but haven't done anything. Then those are the people um, that I should be having a conversation with. Not the people that are that are totally happy to leave at two o'clock and they're making X amount of money. That's fine. Keep going and doing that. If that's the life that you want to live. But the people that I talk to that say they want to build X business, and they want to they want to open up a retail shop, or they want to hire two people, or they want to find a way to transfer the business off to their son, or whatever. Those people want bigger, but they haven't found a way to do it in you know the last two years or eight years. Uh, those are the people that that should look into hiring a coach because that's that's when it's most effective. And I, I don't want to work with people that that aren't going to grow their businesses because then it makes me look bad too, <laughs> right? I want those people that yep. are ready to go, so I make sure the people that work for me are ready to make the changes in their life and business, or else they they're probably not a good fit. Nice.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, you had a lot of places you could be for the last hour and 13 minutes, but you chose to spend them here with Corey and I. I appreciate that. I hope you got some value out of it. Reach out to us via the many social channels and ask us questions that could have been answered if you listened to the whole show or ask us good questions. We'd like to answer both of them. But- We are out now and we're out of time. So catch Corey on his show. Catch me on mine. We're going to be coming out with many more PDR college episodes. I'm getting Shane back on the horn and we're going to bring the magic back. Corey, you've listened to a lot of podcasts. This is not pre-rehearsed. Until next time.
0: Get better. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR coach podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, then the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, then you can find me on Instagram by searching for the PDR coach or find me on my website at dot C O R Y K.com. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next week.